Welcome to the Gnomecast, a Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the esteemed Eric Heimel, the charismatic Chris Franklin, and the kindly Catherine Halpern. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Chris and Tomas, and today we're going to talk about the ups and downs of splitting the party. Before we dive into that main topic, though, we're going to ask our Get to Know a Gnome question, which is... What is the largest group at an RPG table that you've ever played with or run with? So I'm going to actually start with Chris. Can I like, can I like interrupt for a second to, to say two things? Sure. Cool. So uh, Pandas Talking Games just released their 300th episode. Yay, Pandas. <laughs> Yay. And Phil, Phil yells, we are Pandas, or, or this is Pandas in an in a homage to 300. And, uh, you know, the Misdirected Mark podcast released their 500 episode or is going to release their 500 episode by the time this is out there in the world. What? what? That's all. That's all. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, we love the Gnomecast around Misdirected Mark Productions. So, you know, I just wanted to throw those out there. And you can clone me later if you want after you throw me in the stew for this because I need a new throat anyway. You sound like you need a new throat. I do need a new throat. So largest group of players I've ever run for it was uh, 12 and it was a mistake I'll never do it again I never did it again after that it was only six or less from that point on and six was even too many what system was it it was 3.5 D&D and everybody was like level three and it was awful I mean it was fine like I had a I was fine doing it but afterwards I was like this is stupid because I looked around after like the first round or the second round which you know rounds at that point with 12 people took you know 20-25 minutes if you were pushing it yeah I'm just looking around I'm like there are just people just standing around, sitting around, doing nothing. Nothing. I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. That's why it's dumb. What about you, Tomas? Well, I have two interesting stories about that. I have a game that I played in that was an RPG based on the video game Danganronpa, which is about a whole group of students getting killed in a school. That was 14 <laughs> people. And I played some kind of mastermind villain playing with the GM. I played with him, and then there was another game in which I GM for. That was a dread game for my birthday um, with nine people that I ran for, and that one. Well, both of them went extremely well. I was a bit surprised about that. So yeah, I think we, you can run big groups, but I actually don't recommend it. <laughs> I think the largest I've ever played with is probably twelve-ish. I've had bad experiences and okay experiences the okay experience was treated more like a larp than a traditional tabletop role-playing game and at that point why aren't you just running a larp instead of advertising it as a tabletop game and then i've also had the experience where like chris said it's like there's so many people there that you're sitting there doing nothing for a very long time i will say the most i've run for is probably nine and that was because i was running a Firefly game with the canon characters Ooh. from the show, and there are nine of those characters. That wasn't the worst experience I had, and for the most part, all of the players were on board because they were, like I said, anyone who shows up to a Firefly game with the canon characters, they just want to see a second season episode. That's yeah. really all they want. So <laughs> people were, were happy watching other people's scenes as well. The only problem I ran into that is I had the player playing uh, Shepard Book got a little inebriated, which meant he basically was there in the beginning, he passed out for the middle of the game, and then when he woke up for the end of the game, he was a completely different person and kept trying to start fights with the NPCs as Shepard Book, which was 
a little rough to manage for the climax of the game, but that was more mm-hmm. that player than the nine players. I have found my sweet spot for a number of players to run for is six. Six is my sweet spot. If I have a, a you know a good table of six, it's enough to keep the game going without me having to feel like I am doing the lion's share of the labor as the GM. It works to have a you know a mix of experience in your players, like some who are newer, some who are more experienced, and like I six is my my sweet spot. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I have I've had uh, two games that lasted a very long time, and uh, one of them with five players, another another one with six players, and both of those numbers were pretty comfortable for me. So I think that I can run a six-player group uh, pretty nicely. And it isn't that big of a number. But at the same time, it is quite big. <laughs> four for me. Four is my favorite. I mean, six is fine. Five is also good. But there's something about four for a campaign that I can really find the time to to dig into character stories to and give them some real some meat on those on the bones of those stories. Do you find with a, a four-player campaign, you're more... This is probably veering off into another topic, but hey, we're here. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find you're more uh, susceptible to like the game getting canceled because certain people can't make it? Like, if you got a six-player group, yes. you know, Absolutely. one person misses, <laughs> the game can generally keep going, but four people, if one person is missing, you kind of it kind of grinds things to a halt. Yeah, you lose the dynamic. My four-player games, uh, if two people are not there, we don't play. My five-player games, if three people are there, we don't play. That's how it works. Gotcha. I got to have at least three players. I have at least two players there, usually. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So moving on into our main topic, uh, the general adage that most players repeat, you know, as if it was from on high, is never split the party. But it's not really that simple. And we thought this would be a good topic for us gnomes to talk about. because. Well, first off, why is Never Split the Party so commonly repeated? Tomas, what are your thoughts on that? Why, why is this a thing? <laughs> well, I actually had a whole uh, moment in which I wanted to research about it, to write an article for Tribality. So I think that I have a bit of knowledge on the, the goods and bads about uh, splitting the party. I think that the main reason uh, players uh, indicate that it's a bad idea to split the party is because... Um, uh, throughout the whole time uh, we played RPGs, um, most of GMs actually run games that uh, are already pre-written adventures. And these may be planned for maybe four players, five players, uh, whichever the number is. And if some of those people aren't in a place in which uh, Hydra appears, which is planned for a four-player group, uh, and you only have two players in there, the Hydra is going to annihilate them. <laughs> <laughs> the heads are going to roll and not the Hydra's ones. Uh, so I think that's the main reason, or maybe traps as well, for which the whole uh, player dynamic can be modified by uh, this uh, splitting the party thing. Basically, it ends up being the challenge of the game. Chris, how do you, how do you see that fitting into why this is such a, a common thing that players espouse? Well, Tomas had the right of it for the first point. That's, that is the... One of the cultural reasons why we don't split parties or like it's a bad idea to split parties because of the challenge of encounters and dungeons. Mm-hmm. I mean, our game, these, these tabletop role-playing games are so, have been so focused around the idea of Dungeons and Dragons for so long that, that that cultural zeitgeist is just present. The other reason is that it's hard on game masters that don't know how to deal with that. When the party decides to split up and the game masters to manage spotlight time and pacing and how to go back and forth between the group, the two, the two separate groups 
And then, of course, how to adjust challenging situations so that you're just not annihilating the group. All those skills are things that a lot of game masters don't know how to deal with the first time, the second time, or even the third time it happens. It takes them a little while to figure that stuff out. Unless, of course, they're listening to people talk about how to do that <laughs> and the tools to do that. But even then, they still have to go pr- put it in practice, which is not always the easiest thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it is definitely good to be prepared and have, you know, read about or listened to people talk about how to handle these things. But it's a completely different thing once you are putting it in practice. I can remember running a um, relatively recent example. I was running Dragon Heist and there's supposed to be a chase. And at the end of the chase, the group is supposed to fight a chain devil. It's a reasonable challenge for a normal sized group of four to six characters when the chase started, uh, four of my six players immediately gave up and let the other two just continue on with the chase because they couldn't keep up. It was kind of hilarious why it all <laughs> went down the way it did, but I'm sitting here going, I don't know what I'm going to do if the tabaxi rogue gets to the end of this chase and actually engages with the chain devil because he's going to get wiped out. And the tabaxi rogue had way more movement than any. It was just like, okay, this is what's happening now. Thankfully, the player of the tabaxi rogue was smart enough to know that he should not get into any fights at the end of that that chase and just basically do the, you know, tail observant stakeout type of thing. Even in a game that's not dealing with combat and all of that. It's a lot of work to manage rotating the spotlight and groups in different scenes. Let's go to what Tomas asked. What are the good reasons to split the party? What are, what are, Chris, what are your thoughts on good reasons to split the party? Well, I mean, as soon as you allow for that to happen, the players of the game feel like they have way more agency in what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we can actually go and do these things and I don't feel like I'm being railroaded to this spot or that spot. That, that is a positive aspect of the thing. Too, it creates for some dynamic storytelling and some cinematic storytelling because we've all watched TV shows and movies where it, the camera actually cuts back and forth between different characters. Those are probably the two two primary reasons why splitting the party is is good from a game master and a player side. I think uh, I think I think I'll I'll leave it there before I keep rambling on. What about you, Tomas? What do you think? Well, uh, adding a bit more to what you said, I think that uh, the whole splitting the party thing uh, can have the pacing of the whole game. Uh, grow a whole lot because uh, you are not uh, staying on one same place at the same time. Uh, you have maybe the perspective from someone who is uh, going to point A to buy, I don't know, magic items maybe, while the other type of group, the other side of the group is talking to a king maybe. That can create very interesting dynamics because uh, if you are, achieve one point of tension in one of the two places, you can instantly jump to the other one and that gives the whole group like, I need to know what is going on with, play, with group B. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, well I do that all the time and it's a great way in which you can have the whole experience around the table in a very positive manner because uh, you have uh, the whole group growing uh, wanting to know uh, what's going on with both of those groups but at the same time you need a group that may be interested in all the player characters at the same time if they are only interested in their own character maybe you, you are going to fail with that aspect of splitting the party which is an important topic about as well i I can't account for bad players right yeah (laughs) um but but the mini that's the mini cliffhanger right the mini stinger or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it like it's a great tool to use as a game master and people should remember it Uh, what about you Angela? what do you think you know i think if you you go into it understanding that this is what could happen and understand that you need to keep the action moving between the different groups 
that have split up, it can be a fantastic thing. I actually brought up this topic because I wanted to rave about a game I played. My friend Jason ran a uh, Mutants and Masterminds Justice League game where we were playing the high-end characters of the Justice League. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash, Martian Manhunter, with a guest star of Dr. Fate. Wow, that's a whole lot of players. Yeah, Jason started this whole scenario off with characters in their own place doing their own thing. And we actually did not get together until about the two-thirds point of the scenario. The way he worked this is he basically had set up kind of an initiative order in front of him that we were not aware of, and he would just basically go from one character to the next with their scene that was all related to what was going on. I was playing Wonder Woman. She had to go to Themyscira because there was some threat there. It was a threat based off of what was happening in Kondok, which is where Superman was dealing with Black Adam. And just like, you know, in we've got Central City with the Flash where he's dealing with some, uh, some of his uh, rogues gallery breaking into a museum and stealing an artifact and just all these things going on. And because Jason kept each scene quick and tight and moved immediately to the next scene and kept the action going. Everyone at the table was completely invested in what was going on, even if their character wasn't immediately in the scene. And this is a thing that can make a game really exciting. You just, you have to know how to keep that spotlight moving. And I think that's the crucial thing of when the party is split into different areas. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Uh, something else that uh, you can add to your own games that I like doing Take some time to uh, watch in some movies how the different, uh, I don't know if those are the directors or the editors, that make the different uh, transitions between one scene to the next one. How they detail the, the transition. Maybe it's one hand uh, going to open a drawer, and when the drawer opens, uh, the noise that it makes uh, means that uh, you transition to a door opening in some other place. You can describe that and create some interesting tension with your players as well, as well as some excellent image, imagery. Uh, on their heads uh, that can be really fun to use uh, when jumping to one group to the other. A great game style to like practice this is the anything that's in the power by the apocalypse engine because of the way that initiative is structured you often in those games it's not buy a dice roll or anything like that as a game master you have to decide where the action is going next and it's almost like you're moving that camera to the next person mm-hmm. so you can you combine that play style with what tomas just said about how to put together nifty transitions and you can do some really interesting storytelling things at your table that can quite engage your players and engage yourself as a game master exactly as chris said earlier we can't design games for bad you know like around bad players you can't design bad playing out of a game. So there are going to be times when you have a player who basically splits off from the party and it's detrimental to the game. And it is okay as a GM to shut that down. If one player is constantly going off by themselves, you can address that issue with the group to make sure that the so the whole point here is to make sure the whole table is having fun. Mm-hmm. And if one player is constantly like doing the lone wolf thing and going off by themselves, that's a little bit of a different thing than what we're trying to talk about with the good ways to split a party. You just got to ask why they're doing that. Like, what are they trying to get out of this play experience that that is not the game that you presented? <laughs> and yeah. I'm super curious. I, I'm always super curious when players do stuff like that. I'm, I'm never, I don't really get upset. I'm just like, why? Well, what's, what's, the, what's the deal? What are you looking for? Exactly. Yeah. Well, there are good ways to do this as well, because uh, there's the whole long wolf thing that in which the player goes alone to do some kind of objective on their own. 
But at the same time, there are some reasons or uh, ways in which you can separate one single player and have the whole player have fun around it. Maybe there is some kind of objective in which you have uh, one of the players working as some kind of sniper. Uh, and they have to position themselves on the top of the building uh, to sn- uh, get ready to snipe uh, whenever the whole rest of the party enters a museum. I don't know. This uh, thing about the player going on their own and reaching the high point can be like a little adventure between your session that the whole player group can have fun with. I remember uh, one of my very first experiences gaming with John Arcadian. It was me and two other players, and me and those other two other players were not playing the same game. It, it was definitely like they wanted a very specific thing out of the experience, and I wanted mm. something different. And John recognized this, so he basically kind of let those two characters do the chaos gun battle that they wanted while letting my character go off and do the sneaky espionage thing that was what I thought I was going to get out of this game. That was probably more work for him than he really needed to take on, but it ended up making it a much more enjoyable experience for me rather than having to basically like be stuck in that scene with those players who basically just wanted to start shooting things. That wasn't more work for him. I know that guy. He had fun with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he probably did. But at the same time, I think it's it's okay for you as, as a GM to, as Chris said, question when somebody is splitting the party and you don't think it's good for the game or the table. The sniper example is great. It reminded me of uh, Saving Private Ryan, how they were like that whole fight sequence at the end where the sniper's up in the tower by himself. Yeah. Just shooting people and they would cut back and forth between the other characters doing stuff. Like, if you want a good example of, a, of an action sequence that does the thing that we're talking about, it's that action sequence. Those mm-hmm. characters aren't at all in the same space at any point in time for the most part. And that camera is just jumping from character to character to character. And all of them, are, you can imagine them like rolling dice and whatnot. And that poor guy in the sniper tower is like shooting people and shooting people and covering his friends and assisting them. And then all of a sudden he turns and there's a tank and he's like, well, and then boom, the, t- the tower blows up. And that's a pretty epic ending. Mm-hmm. But like that, that whole sequence right there is a great example of how to do this. The, the original Avengers movie. Yeah. You get that, that one scene on, the, on, the, on the, the, the street where you have all of them together and you get the iconic action picture of the entire Avengers assembled, but then the rest of the action for that entire encounter is people in different places doing different things. Mm-hmm. The cool part is when sometimes they cross over too, because you can do that. It's a, it's a trick you can use. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, one, the main point of all this uh, talk about uh, splitting the party is mostly that uh, the most diff- difficult part is going to be for the GM. Because uh, if you as a GM think you can do this, you just need to practice. And in some time, you are going to be excellent at it. Uh, because splitting the party can be extremely fun if done well. I agree. Take, an, take a look at your, 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 your table at that moment in time. Does it make sense for these characters to split up? Because... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even in a D&D game where you may have encounters designed for a certain group of players and now they're split up and doing their own thing, well, sometimes that can make for an interesting encounter as well. It, just to use another example, uh, in my uh, City of Cows game that I play in, uh, there was a point where we decided to split the group up, send the fighters over to this warehouse to basically participate in a raid to get food for the city that was starving, and send the social characters to this secret party that was happening where some people were you know doing problems in the city well it turns out the fight in the warehouse was a cakewalk whereas the secret party was actually 
a meeting of a secret group led by a Medusa, which meant we had our three social characters trying to fight a Medusa and her henchmen. You got played. It was glorious. It was absolutely glorious. We had the monk and the, 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 I'm sorry, the sorcerer and the warlock facing off with the Medusa and the thief, the rogue running around the rest of the building, keeping the other minions busy. It was absolutely wonderful. And like, that was not how that was planned to go down. The GM just rolled with it and he made it work and we had a fantastic time. Yeah. Can I throw a tool out that people can use to help them with this? Yeah, absolutely. Your initiative system in whatever game that you are playing out there, folks, can help you with this spotlight management because you can just go from an initiative point to initiative point, even if they're not in the same place. Just be like, everybody roll for initiative. It'll help you manage the situation. So if they're in a fight somewhere, I know I know that people are like, but but a round is like six or 10 seconds. Like, just throw it out, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have two, three people in a fight. You have two people doing like a... a chatting with somebody about something that's important and then you have one person that's off sneaking around trying to get the MacGuffin. You can just go from an initiative point to initiative point. Like Ange said earlier with her earlier example from the Justice League game, it doesn't matter. You can just decompress the story for those people and just give them an even amount of time until you get to those transition points when it's not in the middle of a fight like Tomas said. And it works really well. It's a great way to start doing this and give you some sort of structure around it. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. When you are running a crunchier game like D&D, and you have encounter balance to keep in mind, just fix it on the fly. You're a jam. You can do that. Yeah. They'll never know. They'll never know. You know, or, you know, allow the rest of the players to get there in time to help out at the end of the fight. You have a lot of flexibility as a GM to make this work, and splitting the party can make for some absolutely fantastic dynamic scenes for your game. Even if the whole game says that one round uh, equals... 10 seconds, 6 seconds, whatever, you can stretch it out as long as you can. You can have uh, maybe one group uh, spend like uh, 2 minutes of a session while the other one spends 10 minutes and maybe that took the exact same amount of time or maybe they just find themselves again uh, at the same moment because of reasons. It's a game. You can destroy the time <laughs> if you like. Um, any last thoughts on splitting the party? Any, any one piece of advice that you would give to GMs wanting to give this a try? Yeah, well, I have uh, one thing that you can do in cases that at some moments you can have one player that for some reason escaped an area and went on their own uh, because they were being chased and the other player group uh, separated to some other side. And by the end of the session, you have one player alone while the other five of them are on some other place. You can just, if you have time, obviously, you can create some kind of mini session for that player to come back again with their uh, whole group and that can be a lot of fun as well. You can even do it by test. I have done it in the past and it worked amazingly uh, during the whole pandemic. And it can create uh, very memorable experiences as well with that player. Yeah, that's really good advice. What about you, Chris? Can I, can I do two? Because Tomas just made me realize something that I've just done in a game. I have my party split like for a session. And what I'm doing now is I have plenty of NPCs in this game, so I'm just giving NPCs to those character, those players to play while they're split for a session or two. So you can do that too when they decide to split for longer periods of time than just inside of a session. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. The second one is, we didn't touch on this, but it's the metagame, the meta knowledge of the players being yeah. the audience and seeing what's going on. Look, it's fine. 
they can know you you can solve any meta knowledge problem because you're kind of creating a story together. That's the whole point of this role playing game thing. Is just be like, how do your characters get to this get to this place without having that meta knowledge? You can tell me how they stumble into the situation or whatever, but you got to tell me something just so it makes the narrative flow better. That way, you're like, oh, cool, we can know, and it doesn't matter. You're just gonna tell me in the story how the characters got there. That one question can usually solve the meta knowledge problem. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think I think people who have concerns about characters having or players having meta knowledge about a game are people who have, again, tried to game around bad players. Yeah. It's like there is a difference between a player having meta knowledge of what's going on in the game and a player trying to abuse the meta knowledge of what's going on in a game. There is a very big difference there. I mean, you're the game master. You can you, you, you actually control everything. So, I mean, it's a pirate ship. Don't get me wrong. Like they have to go along with what you were as the captain are saying or they can just mutiny on you but still you have the final say <laughs> i think my last piece of advice i'll give is that this is a really good way to hone your skills at spotlight management because while the characters are split you have to keep that spotlight rotating but you should also even if all the characters are together you still need to keep that spotlight moving and this having the character split is a good way to force yourself to learn how to keep it moving and keep the pacing going well said. So this show is funded by the Gnomestew Patreon. You too can be a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomestew website to the Gnomestew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the character chip. Need to keep track of all the players in your game? Chip them, just like your pet. If they ever get lost, they're more likely to return to you if you have them chipped. And keep your campaign information updated. I'm confused. You said it was a character chip. Then you said the players in your game? Are you really chipping people? I'm confused. <laughs> I mean, they didn't notice it happened. Okay, then. Yeah. I mean, how else do I keep track of where everyone is when we're at a convention together? I, I agree. I, I agree. I just, this is like big state stuff, like big brothers looking over our shoulders. Chris is going to go home and check for chips. <laughs> I am. I got the scanner out right now. So if you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Okay, let's talk about Pandas Talking Games. Queer gamers talking about tabletop role-playing games and making outages. Join Pandas, Phil, and Senda every Wednesday answering listener questions about playing, running, and designing TTRPGs. Get cozy and let's talk about some games. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Gnomes, is there anything else you want to give a shout out to today? Besides what we shouted out earlier. Yeah, I did my <laughs> shout out. It was at the very beginning. <laughs> we are pandas. The 300th pandas episode is already out. Yes. Yeah, it's out. And I believe when this episode of the Gnomecast drops, the 500th episode of Misdirected Mark will also be out. Yes, yes. Go give those a listen. If you've never given them a listen, give them a listen. They're good shows. Good people. What about what about you, Tomas? You got anything you want to shout out? Uh, well, I I think that you have said more than enough. Uh, there's also my article about uh, splitting the party that I'm going to leave on the description of this podcast in case any of you want to read it. Yeah, we can leave a link to that in the show notes. There'll be a link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So, do you think uh, we, this episode is good enough to keep you out of the stew, or are you going to split the party on me and make you chase you both down? Maybe we need to split the party so they don't catch us. Run, run Tomas! Run, Tomas! I'll take it. I need a new throat. <laughs>